This podcast has been brought to you by the Pumping Marvelous Foundation. In our series of podcasts, talking to people about heart failure, we look beyond the cardiologist and delve into what makes people tick. What's their secret sauce? The elixir that drives people to overcome and conquer extreme situations. Heart failure and beyond. Okay, so what's your name and where'd you come from? Yeah, my name's Rich. Uh, I'm living in Leeds, which is in Yorkshire. Uh, so that's getting up north. Uh, not quite as far north as uh, some people who do these podcasts, but yeah. And is that, is that like, what was the phrase? Is that God's county or country? God's own, God's own county, yeah. It's basically yeah. the best place in the, U- in the UK or anywhere to be, really. Well, considering I was born in Liverpool, which is part of the old Lancashire, I would disagree with that. And I do live in Lancashire. So uh, if anybody knows any history of the UK, the War of the Roses, uh, yeah, what was the outcome of that one? Oh, um, hang on. We, we got to stay in Yorkshire, so, so we were the lucky ones. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so okay, um, let's just start off and tell us about you at school. What were you like at school? I was a... a I suppose I was a bit of a swap, really. I was quiet, uh, didn't didn't get into trouble, never uh, skived off school, uh, not once ever, um, like like a lot of people uh, did. But yeah, I just got scolded with it, really. Uh, quite enjoyed quite a lot of school. Didn't enjoy everything. Uh, hated PE. Uh, absolutely detested PE. Avoided it as much as I possibly could, but. Um, academic stuff history i was always re- really interested in um subjects like that so yeah yeah pretty so, much know, enjoyed you, it you, you're a goody two-shoes then yeah pretty much pretty much really yeah i know yeah that shocked you <laughs> it has it has really shocked. it sort of has, it sort of has and sort of hasn't um but um so you never had a detention you've never been in trouble no, I think everybody got into little bits of trouble. Certainly nothing serious and very minor. Did we have detention? I think I possibly did. I think we, we sometimes got whole class detentions. Um, but individually, no, no. I just tried to keep my head down, really. So you were this uh, goody two-shoes, keep your head down to a sort of student who didn't get any real detentions personally. Um, but what did you want to be when you grew up, Rich? Well, when I was younger, but much, much younger, um, I wanted to be a brain surgeon. <laughs> I think when I was about nine, nine, ten years old, yeah, yeah, I wanted to be a brain surgeon. There were, there were a few things. Astronaut, astronaut was always a good one. Um, and then later on, teenage years onwards, uh, I wanted to be a um, computer programmer, which... Is basically what I do now. So, so that that one eventually worked out. Uh, you know, after a few different uh, career career paths that I went down before that. But yeah, have you always been a programmer? Yeah, from like the age of nine. Uh, my brother brought computers back from school um, in late seventies and early eighties, and we we both got really into IT. 
uh, really into computers and programming. I mean, back then, if you wanted to do anything with a computer, you had to program it really anyway. Uh, type, you know, whether that was typing things in, in out of magazines or, you know, which then led you on to making your own programs. So, yeah, I've always really enjoyed that. So we're talking about Spectrums and VIC-20s and Commodore Pets and BBC Commodore Pets. Yeah, Commodore Pet, my brother used to bring back, and they were they were the massive things with their monitors all built in. Um, that was that was from that would that have been the first computer I've ever got gone on actually. And then my brother got a Sinclair ZX eighty one, um, so we had that, and then Spectrum and a few other very small named uh, computers. The Sword M five that was one that I really really liked, um, and then we had. Yeah, like Amstrad's and stuff like that, and then moved on like Atari. Commodores? And... No, never, yeah. never, never had any Commodore. Uh, well, my brother had an Amiga later on. I had an Atari ST, and then obviously PCs all you know really took off. Are you are you quite good at sp- spoken language? Oh, what? Sorry. Are you quite good at spoken language? In what like way? Italian? Well, you you. Oh, like languages? Um, yeah, no, yeah. not particularly. I, I know bits. I know bits of Italian. I mean, I lived in Italy for five years in Rome when, um, when, when I was a teacher. And then I've lived in France for four years as well. Um, so I pick, I pick stuff up. Um, my French was probably better than my Italian, just because in Italy, we, I taught in a British school. So all of our curriculum was done in English. Um, so my Italian there was really just sort of like, bar and restaurant Italian, uh, whereas my French, um, I <laughs> attempted to have my own business over there, so uh, there was more, you know, business talking, talking to the tax man and uh, trying to get through yeah. tax forms, which was, yeah, a bit of a nightmare, but uh, and so things speak, like that. You, you speak French tax law then? <laughs> well, I wouldn't quite go that far, but um, yeah, just trying to make sense of uh, forms and stuff like that, really. Do you think that because you were interested or do you think that maybe software programmers or I don't know what the coders these days um, may have a propensity for good linguistic abilities? I think there's, there's the probably that there. Yeah, there's probably that there because, you know, we, we, there, there is grammar and syntax and all the rest of it with uh, with, with computer programming um, that, that you have to be, be able to pick up um, and adapt to. Uh, and I mean, I know, very, you know a few different languages. So, you know, you've got the differences from there. So I suppose that's, that helps in some ways with, um, you know, with spoken and written language. Um, but my, I, I mean, my, French and Italian was only ever very basic. I suppose you, you, I also know a little bit more about you than maybe I'm going to ask questions, but I was thinking maybe, um, you know, tell everybody why you're in a punk band. I was, yes, yes. So, yeah. what's this pub? Tell us about this punk band. Oh, right. Well, so, I mean, you, you've heard, you know, I've, I've already said about how I was, you know, quite well behaved at school and all, and then I left school. And um, and things changed. Um, 
Yeah, a friend of mine, um, Giles, uh, who's sadly no longer with us, um, I was in the company with him when I was literally from the age of nine. And uh, we, we were both, we both got into the rock scene and stuff like that. This is like late 80s. Um, and I was working in a record shop uh, when I was, what, 19? And he, he came in to see me and he said, oh, Rich, do you want to... Uh, you want to join the band? Uh, um, I knew what band, you know, the band he was in. They were absolutely dreadful we were. Um, so I said, yeah, why not? He said, well, you, you were always quite good on guitar in Cubs. So why, why don't you join, join the punk band that I'm in? I'm like, yeah, go on then, why not? So I did. So yeah, uh, we did that. And yeah, we, we played various gigs around Hull. Um, we played with, supported some relatively big names. Um, we supported Glenn Matlock, who was... Uh, the original bass player from the Sex Pistols um, before Sid Vicious and since, since afterwards as well, um, supporting his band. Um, various bands from the the type of music we were playing and from that, that scene. Uh, that bands like The Babysitters, Last of the Teenage Idols. We've never actually supported The Babysitters, but we supported The Last of the Teenage Idols, that the singer from them turned into which would be a band that won't mean anything to many people most people but people who uh, knew the london especially in the london rock scene um and the, you know the, the british sort of like glam and uh sleeve scene from the late 80s early yeah. 90s well they'll, they'll know them um and yeah yeah we did we did, did things like that in fact we were uh, even offered the record deal by um by polydor uh they wanted to do it right. give, give us a Sing a deal for, a, I think it was one single initially, and take us around all the German air, air bases. Um, but this was while uh, my, my my wife was pregnant with our son, um, and the the money they were offering was awful. Uh, you know, none of us could have, would have been able to afford to do it. It would have probably been a really bad idea. <laughs> Looking back on it uh, in hindsight, um, it would have been great fun for a little bit, I would imagine. But yeah, so we. Uh, so yeah, we 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 turned that down. But yeah, I it was. I mean, basically, we we were billed as the the third biggest pulling band in Hull at the time, um, yeah. on on like the local circuit. But mainly because people wanted to see what was going to happen next. There, there, it certainly wasn't for the music. I know that. Um, I, I'll just give you give you a few examples. The first gig I ever played with the band. Um, where my my mother came to see us and things like that. Um, oh dear. We oh yeah, uh, we we broke up on stage. Um, and the way we broke up on stage was by the bass player taking his bass off and launching it across the stage at our um, singer's head, which missed him. Uh, it did manage to take the drum kit out, which belonged to the band we were supporting, um, who who were called. This is a great name for a band. Ample cleavage. <laughs> that, that's what they were called. We, we were called Noah City, um, but yeah. Uh, so they they went off stage, and that, that left me, the other guitarist, and the drummer. Um, the drummer sitting amongst bits of drum kit, and we just what, what we're going to do. So we just carried on to the end of the song. Um, but yeah, that that was that was the first ever gig, and then there was the the gig. We we managed to get a manager. He <laughs> was an absolutely mad guy. And he, he got the gig um, in a rather rough part of the hole called Hethel Road. Um, anybody who knows Hull will know Hethel Road. Um, and it was a, in a working man's club where it was like all the older fishermen. So it was like either oh, 
ex-trawlermen or people who were into the acid house scene at the time. They certainly weren't into punk. Um, and they turned us off. Well, somebody actually literally pulled the plugs out after two minutes. Um, we got paid off after four and ended up um, having to uh, arm ourselves so that we got out of the place safely. So, yeah. that, it was all, reminds, me all the, reminds me of like the Blues Brothers uh, film where, uh, where they originally goes, you want to be in the band, and then they have to play behind the wire mesh. Um, <laughs> that would have been a good idea uh, sometimes. Yeah, it, it was absolutely. just absolute chaos, absolute chaos. But so, we loved it. We had we had a great time. So just describe yourself to us. What are you What are you about? Well, I tell you what. What were you like before you, the heart failure diagnosis, and and maybe what you're like now? Okay, well, I mean, those those two things are extremely different. Uh, I mean, obviously, I know you know this, but um, yeah, before heart failure, uh, still worked in IT at that point. Um, and I worked and I went to the pub, basically. That was that was my life. Um, and I, I smoked, I drank, I didn't do any exercise. My diet was appalling. Um, so in some ways, it was... Uh, a disaster waiting to happen. Um, you know, uh, I didn't take much time off. Did you off. know that, though? Did, did you know that? Well, I, I think I, 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 I certainly wasn't kidding myself that what I, what I was doing was a, a particularly good idea, but I, I, I was enjoying myself, and that's all, you know. I, I wasn't ill. I didn't get ill. That was the thing. Um, I, I'd maybe get the odd cold, but that was it. Um, in fact, I mean, when I went to the doctor when I was ill, um, before I knew it was heart failure, um, and I, I sat down and she said, "Oh, yeah, we, we never see you. You're always you're always well. So you know, there, there obviously is something quite wrong with you." Um, so you know, it was it was a surprise to everybody me me getting ill. You know, uh, so yeah, I mean, that, that was basically me beforehand, and it was just just how it was, you know. Uh, and you know, I mean, I, I was a heavy drinker. I I don't shy away from that i was a very heavy smoker as well you know and after well afterwards i was obviously the, you know there's the shock of getting a diagnosis and you think what on earth but i had four weeks in hospital so that four weeks in hospital it was, it was right what am i going to do i need to obviously i need to change things i can't drink anymore i'd already decided right i'd already started giving the smoking um literally I'd planned to give up smoking the day that I got extremely ill. Whether it's serendipity or what, I don't know. But um, the coincidence was amazing. Um, but yeah, that four weeks, it was like, oh yeah, everything's got, got to change, you know. Uh, so it did. Um, and since then, everything has changed. I'm, apart from, you know, I work in IT and uh, and I'm still married. <laughs> Other than that, every, everything has changed. I've, uh, don't drink. Well, I drink a couple of times a year as as I'm allowed to. Um, obviously, don't smoke. Uh, it was six years um, that I gave up smoking. Uh, now um, and I I now eat well most of the time. Uh, we always have our little slips, um, and I most certainly do exercise. I run uh, a lot. Yeah, um, we'll come on to that. And yeah, yeah. Tell us about that because I'm <laughs> for you to tell people about that. So. Um, so, um, how would you, how, how, I know you're quite close to your brother, Mike, uh, hmm. how would Mike, Mike describe you, Rich? Well, because he said something to me 
or you said something to me, I can't remember it was when we were climbing Snowden four years ago, whatever it was. Mm. Um, the, you know, Pumping Marvelous had uh, really helped you. Um, mm. That's maybe sort of stand back and think, how, how was that? But how would Mike describe you? I think, I mean, I think he would describe me in quite similar ways. As now, as being a very, very different person to to who I was. In fact, I mean, I know he would because he's, you know, I've I've, I've had conversations like that with him anyway. Um, you know, he said that it is just such a massive difference, and uh, you know, he he's the way he describes me before heart failure is very <laughs> pretty much identical to how I describe myself. You know. Uh, <clears throat> So yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's he's like, wow, you know, the the the, the difference that he can see in me uh, is 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 huge as well. <clears throat> and you know, it's obviously it's all it's all positive stuff, you know, and it's it, you know, which is it's, it's always nice to hear, you know, to have people say that to you as well. So one last thing on the personal stuff. Um, who's the most famous person you've met? Most famous person I've met. Um, let's have a think. I bet I mean I've met various people from bands, but I, you know from from the sort of music I listen to. Um, so I've met. Um, I've met people from band uh, a band called Hanoi Rocks uh, that were massive. They were like the band that Guns N' Roses wanted to be. That's why Guns N' Roses exist. It's because of how, and, and they say that I've met, met people from them. I've met band, people from various other bands I'm into. I've met actors. Uh, um, I've met Michael Rosen a couple of times, very briefly on the on demos that we've both, both just happened to be on and been next door to each other on. Um, he certainly wouldn't know me for Adam, from Adam, I know that. I met John Prescott when I was a kid. Uh, he, he, used right, around, okay. well, he, he, he used to come around the house. My, my stepfather um, was uh, very, well, we, we all, all have been very heavily involved in the Labour Party previously. My stepfather was a Labour Party election agent. Um, for one of the other Hull MPs at the time, Stuart Randall. Um, so uh, Prescott used to come round. Um, as he said about that, probably the better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, met him. I've met. Uh, I've met. I've met um, few sports people, but again, just in passing, really. Um, I've met um, various Emmerdale actors. Uh, been from Yorkshire. Well, I've been from Leeds. Um, the pub I used to go to, um, Steve Hetherington, who played Zach Dingle, he used to go in there quite regularly. Uh, so I've, I've um, sat at the bar with him, had a drink with him. Um, yeah, various people like that, really. No, I've, no one, I think, massively, massively famous. Uh, but well, I've met. I've met royalty, some of the some royalty. Princess Alexandra, who's not a major royal. Um, I met her. I met Italian actors uh, from when I taught in Italy. Um, there were some of the parents. Um, there was uh, the. I think John Prescott's quite a quite a. Certainly when he comes. Yeah, to he's actually, I, was, I was younger. I was I was you know I went this was when I was like what twelve thirteen probably. Um, I met um, 
from the Godfather, Al Pacino's wife in the Godfather who gets blown up in the car. Um, in the first one in Sicily, um, I've met her. Uh, I taught I taught her sons. Uh, again, probably least said about that the better as well because they were yeah they were interesting children. Yeah, but yeah. Okay, so um, tell us about. So you were, so you were, you always wanted to be a programmer. You mm. were into, you were a, a guitarist uh, in a band, in a punk band in Hull, yep. and you've seen life. Mm. And you got hit with a diagnosis of heart failure. Tell us about that. Well, it was massive, really. I mean, I didn't know. It, well, I, I got ill, basically. I got ill round about the May time, April, May um, of 2016. Um, and I, my wife and I, we both had flu. And we both seemed to get better. And then I got ill again. And I just presumed it was flu coming back, which I think it possibly was partly. Um, but then that... Um, just got worse and worse and worse. And I think it was a combination of my lifestyle and my, um, and this flu just tipped me over the edge. Um, so I got very, very, very ill. And being a bloke, um, I tried to ignore it. I'll get better. And then you, then you start thinking all manner of things. Uh, um, and then you really do try to ignore it because it's kind of, oh, if I don't go to the doctors, then it's not really happening. Um, obviously that's a really really silly thing to do so uh, I wouldn't suggest anybody does that um, and it, as I say this was April May time and I didn't go to the doctor until August um, literally after my wife's birthday we'd, got, we'd been out in the beginning of August for her birthday and I could hardly walk at that point I was grey like really grey um, walking 20 foot was a uh, mammoth struggle really really was um so I decided to go to the doctors they initially thought it was more down to my lifestyle um and they they basically thought it was because my drinking um so they got me into hospital um where i oh that's the test because um my, my bloods were all over the place um which i later found out it was basically because uh because of the heart failure all of my other organs were shutting down um, because I had huge um, fluid retention, and it was basically just constricting all of my you know, my liver, my kidneys, all of it. Um, so, uh, so yeah. And then six years ago tomorrow, um, laying in uh, St James's Hospital here in Leeds, uh, I had a visit um, from a load of doctors, including my uh, um, from cardiology, to tell me that no, it wasn't my liver. Uh, even though that wasn't doing particularly good at that point because of the everything else, um, it was actually my heart, and I had heart failure, and I knew absolutely nothing about heart failure. How um, did that impact you? Well, my initial uh, feeling was, I've got a heart failure, I'm going to die, and it was. It was that that was as far as I was concerned, that was it. It was um, I saw it as this is a death sentence, it's going to be, you know, they're going to tell me I've got like two months to live or something like that. And it was awful, absolutely awful. Um, and then they, you know, they, they went away, left me with some uh, literature from uh, another uh, well-known cardiac charity um, and organised for me to be blue-lighted over to the cardiology uh, wards at the Leeds General. 
And yeah, that was. Um, well, I mean, you just get left shell shocked, absolutely shell shocked. Uh, and from there, it was, it was, you know, very much going on that a big learning curve to find out did what you know, it actually meant. Did, yeah, did you know what heart failure meant? Did you, did no, you ever heard of it? You never ever heard of I'd, it. I think I'd heard the term. Um, George Michael had died of it, and you know, and that was the only way that I, that I knew it. Was you know, you, you'd heard things on the news about celebrities dying um, of heart failure, and that was it. And it was like, oh yeah, no, this is this isn't good. Um, and you know, at that point as well, I was I was obviously extremely ill anyway. I mean, as I say, literally I couldn't walk twenty thirty foot. Um, I had like 25, as I was then told, I had like 25 litres of fluid accumulated from literally from my ankles to my chest cavity. So it, I wasn't in a good way, you know, really wasn't in a good way. So you must have been very breathless then with all that fluid on. Oh, extremely, extremely. Breathing was awful. Absolutely dreadful. It really was. Um, so tired as well. I, I wasn't sleeping at all because you were laid down. I just couldn't sleep. I didn't. I think I was maybe grabbing if I was lucky an hour a night for probably four or five weeks before the fluid started shifting. And, you know, yeah, that, that's no good. That's because the fluid's on your, basically, you're drowning. Mm, so yeah. The fluid's in your, in your, in your lungs mm. uh, or pressure. So, yeah. So how, how, did this, how did this impact your family? Well, again, massively. I mean, my, my wife was obviously as shell-shocked as me. My son was as well. Um, and, you know, I mean, we, my, my son's up here in Leeds as well. Um, luckily, he was staying at home at the time. So my wife wasn't left on her own. Uh, but the, the impact there was huge, a financial impact. I was self-employed. I couldn't earn any money, you know. And it was, it was only my money. Well, my son was working, but, you know, um, my, my wife doesn't work, so uh, it was only my money coming in or not coming in, as, as the case was, at, you know, at the time. So you, you had the financial worries as well as everything else. And so you had the physical, the financial, the, men, the mental strain being put on everybody as well. It was, it was absolutely dreadful, it really was. And, you know, I'm, I'm obviously trying to look after, out after myself health-wise, but I'm also trying to look after my family as well. Uh, and, they're, and they're the same, you know, they're trying to look after me as well as themselves. And it's, it's, the, the impact is just absolutely appalling. It really is on everybody I mean, concerned. I, I completely agree with you about, uh, well, your stories, um, what the reasons why you got the heart failure and I got my heart failure, but certainly the impacts on the personal, uh, you know, what mm. happens when you, you, you leave hospital and um, uh, what, what, how 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 interlocked are the the physical symptoms uh, with mental health? Extremely. I mean, for me, initially before I was in hospital, because I had, obviously the physical symptoms were there, um, but I didn't know what they were. And I, I, at that point, I'd convinced myself I had um, really serious cancer because there's a uh, an advert that was on at two, three in the morning, um, which obviously I was awake at that point watching the TV. And it was the I mean, people have probably seen it. Um, it probably still gets shown now of like a, an old guy pushing the lawnmower around and his little grandson pretending to be him huffing and puffing. And it's, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, it can be a sign of cancer in the old guy. Um, 
and I convinced myself that was that was it. I was got, got cancer. I was going to die, and all the rest of it. Um, and the the mental strain that puts you on on you is huge. But then being told you've got heart failure and not understanding anything about it, and then reading information that basically says, well, you know, um, if you're lucky, you've got a fifty percent chance of living five years. It's well, that's that's going to have a mental impact on everybody. And you know that coupled with the feeling of uselessness because you can't physically do anything. I mean, I, I couldn't, I couldn't even eat. Getting up upstairs to go to the bathroom was like literally like climbing a mountain. It was. It was, yeah, it was I, awful. I know, a, I, I know a patient who, a number of years ago now, said that they couldn't get upstairs, so they had to urinate in the um, in the kitchen sink. Doesn't surprise me, really doesn't. I mean, I, I always struggled my way up there. I mean, literally on, literally on hands and knees and then coming back down the stairs to get myself back onto the sofa to lay down was having to, you know, ease myself down down on my backside, down the stairs. It was, it was appalling, really was. So tell, tell us, I mean, you know, um, like, like me, it came out of the blue. Uh, no GP, mum's viral, but no GP, uh, man, um, didn't pick up on symptoms, just got worse and worse until they, basically the whole body started uh, not working, liver, kidneys, la 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 yeah. la. And I knew nothing, I wanted to be a doctor when I was young, and I'm still, I'm very interested in medical stuff anyway, but mm-hmm. I always have been, and um, uh, heart failure. What's that? Um, where are you now? And why are you? Because I know you are one of those amazing people I know. Okay. You don't have to cry. There's no tissues. <laughs> but you, you, you are. And I, and I want to try and I want you to try and tell us this story of why you are, who you are, and how mm. you got there. Because I think this is really important. So the stage is yours. Well, obviously, it's extremely nice of you to uh, to, to say that. Um, but... Come on, move on. Come on. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, well, I, I, like I said, I'm laying in hospital. I was there for four weeks, and you, the hospitals aren't the most exciting places to do, you know to go uh, to be for four weeks. You know, apart from going down for the scans and uh, and uh, the the time when your uh, your diuretics start kicking in, you don't really do a great deal. You know, so you, you're laying there in bed thinking it gives you a lot of time to think and. Um, for me, it was a case of like, right, okay, everything's got to change. Like everything has to change. I've got to reevaluate my entire life and the way that I'm living my life and do something about it. So, yeah, that that set me thinking. Not initially for what I'm I now do, but very soon afterwards, it was a case of okay, what what do, how what do I want to do? I'm not going to be going to the pub every night and drinking loads of beer and stuff like that because I, I can't, you know. Um, but what am I going to replace that with? So I came up with things and I thought, right, something completely and utterly different that I've never, ever, ever done before. I'm going to run 5K, which was just like... Every, I, I said this to my wife, to Ruth, and she was like, what? No, what are you on about? I'm like, no, I am. I'm going. I'm going. I, 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 at this point, I'd, um, I just got 
in contact with the charity through uh, a research project that I was involved with. Um, and I'd, I'd heard you, Nick, um, at a session and obviously looked the charity up um, and got involved. And it's like, right, okay, no. You know, the support that we get from the charity, I want to I do something. I want to raise some money. Give me a, a reason for doing this 5K. So, yeah, so I started doing that. And the idea was, oh, yeah, I'll do 5K. I might do a couple more and that'll be it. You know, uh, I'm certainly not going to do any more than 5K. You know, what a silly thing. Uh, so that was that was the original plan. <laughs> and I did my 5K very slow, ran, ran walked it in the April. Um, bearing in mind I remember that. I remember the video you did for the mm. Snowden thing that we did for yeah. 2016, was it 2017, maybe 2016, 2017? 2017 was, yeah, 2017 was the, 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 oh yeah, 42 minutes uh, it was uh, in Round A Park here in Leeds, but I did it, and I felt, my legs felt absolutely appalling afterwards, uh, they really did, but I did it, and I raised um, quite, quite a nice amount of money, and I was really pleased with myself. I thought, well, yeah, okay, yeah, I'll do a few, a few more 5Ks and, you know, uh, do I enjoy this? I don't really don't know. Um, but started doing it and then um, started running, you know, on quite a regular basis. Uh, you know, no, nothing particularly ama amazing distance-wise in comparison, but, you know, that was good. And then, um, then you asked me if uh, i would be interested in uh in well, whether me and my, and my brother mike would be interested in uh going to snowden to do the um parallel hearts uh, film and it's like oh yeah brilliant I, I, when i was younger I, I used to enjoy hiking and going to mountains i've never actually done snowden though i've done scarfell which is the highest one in england and ben nevis but i've never actually done snowden and it was oh yeah brilliant and i was hoping we were you know, i was actually going to be able to climb it as well which didn't happen that at that time but we did it and it, it just really brought my love of hiking back in uh so i've done a load of hiking stuff since then including the coast to coast hike i've done snowden um but i've I did the coast to coast hike as well which is in 2019 um that was 192 miles literally just been made a national trail as well which is good uh so i did that um and it was great um but the parallel hearts we, we had a film premiere down in london um to show the film that we made about uh the 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 group of people who went up the mountain and how, this it, is it all on our out. youtube channel yeah all it on is, the youtube uh, channel definitely watch it it's it's really good um but i was i was talking to one of the other um uh family members who came along uh laura um, and uh, annette's daughter and uh she would say to me no right um you know she's really into her running things like that as well and she said right you're gonna do uh you're gonna do um a half marathon i'm like yeah right that's never gonna happen is it no chance a half marathon i'll do 5k i might do a 10k and I thought, as soon as I said that, I thought, I'm going to regret, regret this, saying I'm going to do a 10K. Uh, but I did it. Re the first one I did was really, really hot. It was a lead tent, and the weather, it was like a really, really hot day. But it was like, no, I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it. <clears throat> did it, quite pleased with myself. Uh, but again, I'll, I'll never do more than 10K. No, it'll never, ever, ever happen. And then you got in contact with me and said, Rich, great North hey, Run. Don't. Don't don't blame me. <laughs> it, 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 it's definitely partly your fault, uh, but that's not a bad thing. 
Um, and he was like, Rich, Great North Run, do you fancy it? I'm like, Great North Run, how far's that? Uh, and it was only afterwards I realised that that was a half marathon. Uh, I was like, oh, what am I letting myself in for? Um, so that was going to be 2020. Obviously, we all know what happened in 2020 with COVID. Um, so I ended up doing the virtual Great North Run, but I had to do that a bit later on because I picked up a, uh, an Achilles injury, um, which, again, is something I never, ever thought I would get is Achilles, Achilles injuries and running injuries. So, so, <laughs> but, yeah, I picked, picked up one of them. Uh, so I did that later on anyway. Um, and then, yeah, and then <laughs> various other things that, Again, Nick Nick um, called me about. Oh, ride London! It's a it's a hundred mile bike. Well, no, in fact, it's a bike big bike ride in London. Didn't tell me how far it was. It was only afterwards I realised that was a hundred miles. So, um, so yeah, so I, I signed up to do that. Um, and then it was um, oh, Rich, um, oh, what do you think about the London Marathon? And I, I'd always said to my, I'd always said I'm never going to do a marathon. <laughs> it's never going to happen. But you get on the phone and, and Nick asks ask me these things. Do you want to do this? And, it's like, uh, um, and I know I should say no, but I don't. And I say yes. And my brother always wanted to do the London Marathon. And Nick said, oh, Mike can do it as well. I was like, oh, right. I, oh, right. So we could do it. So I did that last year as well. Um, and it was one of the most amazing things I've ever done. It was hard. Oh, it was hard. It really was. But, it was absolutely amazing. It was really, really emotional. Um, a few points on that. Just before I started, Tower Bridge, and when I finished, was very, very emotional. <clears throat> so, yeah, I did that. And then it was like, oh, right. Um, hmm. Other marathons. Uh, so, yeah, so now um, we've got the Great North Run proper coming up next month. Um, a few of us doing that, uh, which is which is there's great. A of, there's a lot of them. A lot there of them. is, yeah. I'm really looking forward to that. That's gonna be brilliant. Yep. Then in October, I've got the Yorkshire Marathon, um, and then next year, I've got the Rome Marathon. So I've not been back to Rome since what? we lived there. Yeah, not been back there since we lived there. So nearly 20 years. So I'm going there in March to run the Rome Marathon. Uh, and then in May, I've got the Leeds Marathon, and the, which is very, very, very hilly, and like really hilly. Uh, anybody who knows the Leeds area, um, there's a place just outside of Leeds called Otley, and you've got Otley Chevin, uh, which is a massive, massive, massive hill, and we've got to run up it. Um, so yeah, that's going to be interesting. But yeah, so uh, I'm doing all of those. So I'm just oh. continually training. So you've done all this. I mean, honestly, you could have said no to any of those. And I, I offered them to you just to see whether you'd not on a fundraising basis at all. Absolutely not. It was a, were you going to take it up? Thought I'd offer it to you because you're always doing more and more. <laughs> yeah. It was, and from where you were when I first met you, and I always describe you to others when I first met you as you may not know this, but um, but you will now. Um, like the long lost uncle who turns up in his Harley Davidson. Hmm. Well, um, I had my long hair then, and, all and the yeah, 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 yeah. And and um, to somebody who 
actively actively promotes and actively promotes uh, physical activity for people with heart failure and demonstrates it in in bounds and leaps and bounds uh, around um, the running and the journey that you've done. Um, I, I I think it's phenomenal um, that I mean you've done it, um, mm. and I think what what the valued listeners would like to know is how did you do it? We know why you've given us the why, but how, how did, what's your secret sauce, Rich? Well, for me, for me yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm always looking for the next challenge. I am. Uh, and once I've committed myself to a challenge, then that for me, I'm very stubborn. Uh, it's like, well, well, so I'm going to do it now. So I've got to do it. Um, but, there's also been a, a massive amount of luck in this. There really has. Uh, I mean, I know from speaking to many other heart failure, uh, you know, people with heart failure that not everybody, you know, that most people can't do that, do these things. And, you know, pe- people's mobility and uh, activity is really restricted. Uh, so I'm, I, I look back at, at things and look at how I am now and what I can do and count myself really, really lucky that I, basically I've been given that second ch- second chance. Um, and from that, it's a case of, well, I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to mess that up. I'm not going to waste it. You know, I've, I've, I've been given that chance and I can do these things. I'm going to just take advantage of it. I really am, you know, and, and I do genuinely enjoy it as well. I really do. And I like challenging myself and saying, right, what's next? I'm never doing an ultra, so don't ever, ever ask me to do an ultra. That's not going to happen. I'm potentially going to be doing a triathlon once I've learned how to swim properly. <laughs> so, yeah. But, yeah. so is it so to help other people with to to cope and live well with heart mm. failure? Taking your thought process around what your secret source is, what's the elixir that drives you as an individual? Mm. What's the biggest tip you can give to somebody? Um, and knowing the the various people, like from A to Z, the amount of people, everybody's different. Some people can't, you know. What what's what's what tip are you going to give them? I'd say find something that you enjoy. Um, you know, find something that that you enjoy and just go for it. You know, but listen to yourself as well. Listen to your body. Don't over. Don't push yourself too far. Uh, you know, or too hard, or too quickly, and I, I think that's the big thing. Don't don't do things too quickly, and listen to listen to your body. And you know, and if things are getting too much, then then rein it in a bit. But you know, just find something you enjoy, and it may, it may well be like me, something that you'd never ever considered doing before. You know, something that it 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 did take me out of my comfort zone and continues to take me out of my comfort zone with some of the things I do. Um, but that's fine, you know. And I, I'm I'm not I'm not afraid of that. I'm not. I I I accept it and I I embrace it really. So you know, find something new or something or something that you that you already do, something or something you used to do um, that you that you no longer do and think, yeah, can I actually do that? Uh, you know, I, I'm. I, I used to do that. I used to enjoy it. Can I do that now? You know, and it may be, maybe that you played guitar when you were younger. Um, probably a lot better than I ever have done. Um, and you, but you may not have done it for a while, or painting, or you know, writing, or 
any of those things, you know, and it, if you find it and you enjoy it and you and you know you can really get into it, then great, you know, that's that's really good. And just don't don't treat things if you don't manage to do things, don't treat that as as failure because it's not. You know, you've given it a go, which is more than most people do. Um, and you know, and just really celebrate any small uh, successes as well. Because they, they, you know, these things can be big achievements. They can, you know, for some people, going out and mowing the lawn can be a massive, massive achievement. And if you manage to do that, look at it and go, "Wow, I've, I've actually gone off and done that. I couldn't do that before. That's brilliant." And it is brilliant, you know. So, so your your secret sauce is um, find something you enjoy doing and celebrate the success that you have with it. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Okay. Okay, that that's a pretty good one, um, and um, hopefully that will help people um, who are listening to this uh, this podcast. Um, so, so we come to the end of the podcast, and so here's uh, Rich, who um, lives in the Leeds area. Um, obviously, grew up in Hull. Um, John Prescott used to come around for tea, um, but we won't say anything more about that. Uh, and he used to be he was very diligent as a as a student. Uh, never got into any trouble personally. Uh, or not the, what he wants to admit to. Uh, he played a guitar in a uh, punk band um, and got offered a record deal, but it wasn't worth the while, so they didn't pursue it. Um, he's enjoyed life to the full, um, and then he got diagnosed with heart failure in 2016, and he's made this unbelievable transformation as an individual. Um, uh, and he now, uh, this year alone, uh, ran the London Marathon. He's bumped himself into other marathons, um, which is amazing. Um, he's still on the medications. Um, and uh, yeah, what a superstar DJ, literally. So uh, thanks, thanks a lot, Rich. Um, yes. uh, I'm sure we'll speak in the next week or so anyway, or on WhatsApp, we talk about it every day. Morning, Rich. Yep. Um, we say morning. Um, and uh, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure uh, talking to you. This doesn't happen by magic. So if you like what you hear, please donate to support our cause. Visit Just Giving and search for the Pumping Marvelous Foundation. Every penny counts. Heart failure and beyond.